You're listening to Tim Talks, Taking Interest in Ministry, a conversation between two great friends with over 70 years of ministry between them. Ministering on opposite sides of the border, Dr. Al Stone is the General Director of Bearing Precious Seed Canada and Pastor Emeritus of the Bible Baptist Church in St. Thomas, Ontario, Canada, while Pastor Dan Wolven pastors the North Columbus Baptist Church in Columbus, Ohio. Listen now as Al and Dan review and relate their experiences in hopes of helping others who are taking an interest in ministry. Now, here is Tim Talks. Welcome to Tim Talks. It's Friday. We're at Heritage Christian School. It would have been drowned out by the applause. These kids are crazy for us. They love us. Do you love us? <laughs> that was a little hesitant. That was a little hesitant. But uh, we're here, and we've got a bunch more questions. Here comes our first question of the day. My name is Sophia. I'm in ninth grade. And what is your favorite 2022 Smite story? Well, the one that, I, the one that I've gotten the most... Uh, the most uh, fun out of is whenever Matthew from our church was trash talking in basketball and brother was Sam came over and said, you got to do some, play some kind of a trick on him. So the guys in our church have never seen me play sports and I think they think I'm totally doofus, which they're probably right. But anyway, so I, I pretended like I didn't know how to play basketball and finally whenever he came up to guard me, I pivoted on him and went and scored and everybody had their cameras out and so I've gotten a lot of mileage in our church out of that. That was that was fun. So All right. very good, thank you. Big hand, big hand, big hand. Okay, there you go. Big a little hand. Have a little hand. Uh, my name is Ethan, and um, my question is, so when you were on the staff here at CBC, who was your least favorite person to work with? Dan Wolven. <laughs> no question. <laughs> he was so bossy. Little Napoleon guy running least around here. Favorite. Least wow. favorite. Wow. Dr. Thompson. <laughs> <laughs> he was so bossy. <laughs> oh, man. I don't know if I had a least, least favorite. favorite. I had a least favorite, but I wouldn't say it. <laughs> so, uh, I, I've made a lot of good friends. I, I enjoyed all of the friendships that I made with other co-laborers. Uh, your ministries don't always mesh closely with everybody else, but I had many favorites yeah. and maybe one or two least favorites, but I wouldn't say who they are. I, I really enjoyed the staff. Um, there, there are some people that are a little harder to work with sometimes. Um, but I, I'd have to say there was nobody that I'd say absolutely, you know, I didn't like. So yeah, it was just no. a, it was a good atmosphere, and and I really think that the leadership, Dr. Thompson, Dr. Or Dr. Folger, yeah, it was Dr. Folger. Mm -hmm. um, those guys really worked hard at making sure everybody pulled their weight, because mm -hmm. in most situations, if somebody's slacking off, they're not doing their job, you become resentful of them, and everybody pulled their weight. And so it was easy to work with those folks. So, yeah, that'd be it. Except Jack Beaver. Okay, anybody else? <laughs> Hi. <laughs> Hello, my name is Amir. I'm, in, I'm a senior, and my question is, what did you guys want to be before becoming a pastor? I think you before you grew up. <laughs> what did you want to be before you grew up? <laughs> before a pastor? Yeah, before being a pastor. I was planning on being an electrician. God called me to preach when I was 13. 
So I was already, I was already trying to work harder at learning all this stuff about being an electrician, had electrical shop and school and everything else, but I would have wanted to be an electrician. I did not know that. Yeah. Wow. Okay, Sparky. Um, when, I, when I got called, I was 12, and I never had a second thought from that moment forward that I wanted to be a preacher. Now, I will tell you this, since then, I love business. I love entrepreneurism. If I wasn't a preacher, I would be in some type of business and I would be filthy rich. I just would. I would, I would want to- Now he's just filthy. I'd be filthy. Um, I, I love business and I would work very, very hard to have one of the greatest businesses in the world. I don't know if I could do it. I don't think I have the smarts for it, but I've got the salesmanship and the drive and I, I think I'm a visionary so I could do that. But that would be something business. I, I, a lot of our church um, program was modeled after successful businesses. McDonald's wanted to have a, a restaurant every so many blocks. And I thought, well, we should have some kind of outreach every few blocks. I went to a restaurant one time and every waiter or waitress that came by your table either took a plate or filled your glass or whatever. You didn't have one waiter or waitress. They were all waiting on you. I thought, you know what? That's the church. Everybody should be looking to help somebody in the church. And I tried to model that, and it worked very well. So I, I would say that. We, yeah. we try to model ours after the Bible in the book of Acts. <laughs> That's okay. That's good. Yeah. yeah. Very good. All Thank right. you so much. Very good, Amir. Thank you. Hi, my name is Andrew. I'm in 11th grade. And my question is, how much time do you get to spend on yourselves? Not near enough, I'll tell you that. Um, look at us, we need way more time to get ready in the morning. Um, I don't, well, now that I'm in evangelism, I have a little bit more. Um, if I'm not doing something in the evening, I try to spend that time. I try to do sermon preparation or correspondence, things like that. When I'm home, uh, one of the things I love to do is I love to wood carve. And I tried to take about an hour a night, a couple hours a night, two nights a week, and I would go out and wood carve. And it was a great stress reliever for me and just a great way to fellowship with the Lord. I'd put on some good Christian music and pray while I was, you know, working out there. So that, that's something I like to do, but not a lot. I do like to play hockey. I didn't get to play hockey this year in Canada. I, I wanted to join a 50 plus league and the guy said, are you triple boosted? I said, triple boosted? He said, yeah. I said, no. He said, then you can't play. Mm. So I was very upset. I wish I wasn't a pastor because I'd like to have written to him and said, you've just discriminated against me and you know, some other things. But um, so hockey is great for me. And then my grandkids, anytime we can spend with mm. our grandkids is a great time, great time. There you go, thank you very much. I, I won't answer that question. I guess I'm not allowed, go ahead. Oh, do you want, we'll speak up, man. <laughs> My name is Andrew, I'm a senior, and I was wondering, uh, are the gifts that Jesus gave to the apostles after his death gone now that the Bible has been completed? Yeah, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, um, a simple answer would be in Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 13, when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part should be done away. So now we know in part, we prophesy in part, and so he gives a couple examples. And so that I believe that there are two sections of gifts from the Holy Spirit, that uh, the serving gifts are still for today, but the sign gifts are no longer necessary. 
And so the sign gifts would be speaking in tongues, working miracles, you know, th those in that area. Because every time that they used those gifts, they were using them to validate their message. You know, uh, Paul was shipwrecked, and everybody on the island thought, oh, they, these guys must have done something very wicked. And then they saw a snake, a viper, poisonous snake, biting. And they all went, yep, yeah, you know, he escaped the sea, and now the gods, so to speak, are getting their vengeance. And then when we saw that he didn't cry out, he didn't die, didn't get sick, then they went, whoa, wow, I gotta hear this guy. And so that opened up the opportunity for the gospel message to be much more received. So now we have the Bible that validates our message. That's where we can say, well, look right here in Corinthians, or look right here in 1 Timothy, or look right here in, in the book of Acts. And so the Bible validates our message but while the Bible was still being given, those sign gifts validated that this message that these men are talking about is true. Absolutely. I, I would just ditto that. Absolutely. Very good. Thank you. Good question. Good question. Very common question. Hi, my name is Alyssa. I'm a senior. And my question is, what was the hardest part about starting a podcast? Oh. Oh, man. The hardest part, I think, was getting all of the electronic stuff in the back end to work through into Apple Podcasts and Google and Stitcher and all these things. They make it as simple as they can, but oh, you know that that all of that technical stuff has to be in place, or it's just not going to work. You know, then then we had to come up with a system, a format, and we actually we found out what I. I read what they used to do like in the early 1900s on radio. And so both people would say, three, two, one, start. And so they knew when they were starting. So because I'll be in Columbus recording on my system and he's in Canada or wherever he may be, Topeka, Kansas, and, and he's recording on his system, we do the same thing, three, two, one, start. And he does the welcome to Tim Talks. So whenever we send each other the wave files, the, then you know whenever we're we're blending them together, we know exactly where to start. You know the, the whole thing. So, but for me, the hardest part by far was getting all the back end of the websites and everything to link up properly. Yeah, he did all that, and then I I. He started uh, mixing everything together in the beginning, and then he had so much going on. I was going into evangelism, so I had a little more time, so I took that responsibility. And, and then, it's a blessing. Yeah, and um, I, I would say the hardest part for us, because he's a lot of times in Columbus, and I'm either in Canada or somewhere else in the United States, um, there's always a lag when you do Zoom or something like that. There's always a two or three second lag, so I have to shift everything a couple seconds to make it match up, and then sometimes it's really off. Uh, either the weather's bad or something, and that can be really tricky to do. If we were just doing this, it'd be a piece of cake, but it's not always available for us to do that, so that'd be the toughest for me. And having having good equipment, uh, we both have really good microphones, you got the microphones, and we have good digital recorders, and that really helps. Great question, thank you so much. <laughs> Hello, my name is Mallory, I'm in the 11th grade, and my question is, what is an overlooked aspect of ministry? That's a great question. Mm. Great question, but should we, should we 
start the introduction again so we can wake her up and let her hear it. And we've teased Mallory many times on Tim Talks because she mentioned one time that her dad always comes downstairs to pray no, in the morning. No, her sister. Is it your sister? Mm -hmm. I thought it was you. Well, both of us. Both yeah. of us. Okay. Oh, okay. Yes. Yeah, I thought so. And so a lot of times they wake up to welcome to Tim Talks. So we're sorry for that. It's, it's not really the alarm clock everybody wants. So. Okay, let's get to the question. Um, aspect of ministry. Let me read the question again. You got it? You got it? Again, say it again, would you? Um, what is an overlooked aspect of ministry? Overlooked. Thank you so much. Yeah. Uh, the pastor's paycheck. Uh, that's often, <laughs> often missing a little something. <laughs> All the preacher's kids. All the preacher's kids are clapping, standing to their feet. Um, Oh, I'll go. Yeah, I'll take the back. Not here. Not here at all. Because this is an unusual place. One of the most overlooked aspects of ministry overall is the condition of church buildings. Yes. yes. I, that's what I think. You know, yes. it's, a, it's, we're constantly, I mean, you've got people that are constantly doing this all the time. And, and I think that overall, I think is one of the most overlooked aspect of ministry is keeping the buildings and the properties up, updated, clean, uh, just all of it. And then secondly, uh, to me, would be church websites because I'll, I'll go on church websites and I'll find things from, you know, and I didn't even look at ours. Ours are probably old too, but not this old, but I mean, I'll, I'll find things, you know, I could look today and find churches that said, welcome to 2000, COVID has just begun. And you know, I mean, so, you know, just updating websites. I think that both of those aspects are most overlooked. How many of you are interested in graphic design and websites, that kind of stuff? Do me a favor, start going on independent Baptist church websites, look at their website, redo it for them, send it to the pastor and say, I can do this for you. I'll, I'll, I'll take care of it. Give me a love offering if you want, but I want to help you do that. That would be a tremendous help to a lot of pastors. I said, digital media is one of the things I said. Having a great um, Instagram presence, uh, some use TikTok, some don't, that presence, Facebook, uh, Twitter, all of that is a way that people find out about churches today and how we get people to come to church. Those things should be really, really sharp. And we had a podcast where we talked about who would be the next hire on your staff. And I said, an audiovisual guy. And he, he, he said, no, no, you'd want yeah, a music guy. I disagree guy. still. He, did, he disagreed. Yeah. But then COVID hit. And every church in America was like, oh, what are we going to do in Canada? What are we going to do? How are we going to reach our people? And many pastors found out the value of having a good digital presence. And then I would say that college and career age, you have a good program here, but college and career in a lot of churches yeah. is neglected. We have great youth programs, but then some kids go off to college and the kids that stay get working and we kind of lose that. And if you lose that age group, you lose the next age group of young married couples, which is vital to a church. So I would say college and career and digital media. Very good, thank you so much. Uh, we'll be there Wednesday, all right? Be listening for us. All right, good. Hi, my name is Kyla, I'm in 11th grade, and my question is, what is your favorite place you visited while in the ministry? Mm. I've been to so many, I've been so mm. fortunate. I, I've been to Haiti, I've been to the Philippines, I've been to Israel 11 times. I'd have to say, I'd have to say Israel for sure. And if any of you have any opportunity to go to Israel, you need to go. I'm telling you, it will change your life forever. And if you get to go with us, it will change your life forever for the worst. 
So come with us and yeah. have a good time. Yeah. Um, definitely Israel. The Philippines, I preached and 250 people got saved in one service. Haiti, I saw the poorest people in the world serving God and loving God. And that mm. touched my heart forever. Mm -hmm. um, uh, I've been to Africa. I've been to Kenya and the Ivory Coast. And both of those ministries, you just, you're just overwhelmed at what people live in sometimes and how they love God and serve God more. We are so spoiled and rotten, spoiled in our countries. We have it too easy. And those people really love God. So I'd say any of those countries would be a place for me. Israel, by far. I've been to Australia and Africa. Uh, I went to a third world nation a few times and I met this friend up there in a place called St. Thomas in a uh, third, third world, world nation. You know? right. but, uh, but absolutely for me, be Israel. Yeah, very good. Thank you so much. Excellent. My name is Lucas. I'm in 12th grade. And my question is, how can I make church more attractive when inviting people? That's a good question. I think you just got to be sharp. You got to be up to date and sharp. And that's what I found about your generation is if you have clip art on a website, people aren't, people don't take that serious. You got to be sharp. I think you got to have video. You got to have good video. It, it costs a lot of money to have that stuff though. That's the problem. Okay, good cameras, thousands, you know, maybe tens of thousands of dollars. Um, it, it's, it's got to be appealing to the, the masses. But you have to know your audience. Who looks at websites to get information? Not most people over 60. They, they will, there are some, but most people over 60. So you're gearing your audience to, I would say probably 16 to 45, 50 in that range. And I think you have to know what they're looking for and what catches their eye. I'm gonna come at this from a different perspective. I don't think that you're really going to make church attractive to unsaved people because they, in their mind, you go there, man, every Sunday, every Sunday night, you go there Wednesday too. I mean, they just, there's, they crucify Jesus. And so the, the, the world hates things that are holy. And uh, we had not known sin had there not been the law. You know, if, if unless there was a, a tape measure in the room, I would think I'm pretty tall. <laughs> but once I find out, oh, I'm 5'4", okay? Now I know how tall I am, and it'd be even worse if there was a pair of scales in the room. But uh, yeah. when you see that measurement, unsaved people don't like being measured up to Jesus. They don't like being measured up to the Bible. And so in a way, um, many unsaved people are not gonna find church attractive. And so we wanna try to just make friends and maybe they may come out of obligation because they're a friend or there's something special going on. But uh, you know that's really where prayer and the Spirit of God just have to overcome that natural Revol revulsion to church, you know. So, so I, I understand. I'm not no, trying to no. trying to you know say you're wrong. Just a different aspect. <laughs> there is a because uh, I know he's wrong, but uh, no, it's a different aspect of of you know we can spend a lot of time wanting to make church so attractive that now it isn't what we do isn't holy. 
and it isn't attractive to God. And so that's got to be our first priority because it's not our church. It belongs to Jesus Christ, and it's his church, so it needs to be holy to begin with. That's the basis, and we can do everything else up on top of that, but if we get that turned upside down, we're going we're gonna to be going down the wrong path. Mm -hmm. I would say, though, again, from this generation, if you had something where people could see people like themselves, you have a testimony page of, you know what, I was going through life and I thought I was doing okay, but I found out, you know, I got I got involved in drugs, but Jesus brought me out. I was given Amen. alcohol, but God brought me out. Um, I was tired of being abused uh, as a child, as abused as a woman, I was abused as a boy, and, and somebody showed me Jesus and brought me out. I think people are looking for real people. They want real today. And if we're not real, if we're not transparent and are real, then people aren't interested in that. But the church has always been built on people bringing people to Jesus. Mm -hmm. The website ought to be, hey man, I want to tell you about Jesus Christ and what he's done in my life and don't take my word for it. We have a great website at our church and there's six or eight people on there that have a testimony that would match what you're saying and you can hear from them. And I think people like to be able to check that out in the privacy of their home. It's non-confrontational, but yet still gets the message across. So I'd maybe look at something like that. Man, very good, awesome question. Thank you. Great awesome. question. All right. My name is Ethan, and I'm in the 11th grade. My question is, was Samuel actually summoned by the witch? Go ahead. Okay, was Samuel actually summoned by the witch? The Bible says that this witch had a familiar spirit. In other words, there was a demon that she had a connection with. She recognized that demon. Uh, that demon would either pretend to be all kinds of different people, uh, you know, some seances and, and that kind of stuff is just a trick and a hoax. And other times, you know, somebody can say, you know, well, oh, it had to have been my great-grandfather because he buried this in the ground and nobody else saw well, spirit beings see what's going on in the world, you know. So the witch had a familiar spirit, a, a demon spirit that she was used to seeing. So when she called up that spirit... And of course, that spirit doesn't have to listen to her. She's thinking she's controlling it, but it's really controlling her. And so as she called up that spirit, God allowed Samuel in his spirit to come up. And that's why she screamed and went, what in the world's going on? You know, I see an old man with the, with the mantle. And so then Saul understood, oh, okay. You know, so uh, uh, God was the one who did that. She did not have that authority or power. And no demon or the devil himself has the power to bring anyone back from the dead in any form, only Jesus can. That says it all. Very good, thank you so much. Hi, um, my name is Daniel and I'm in the 11th grade and my question is, is it recommended to enter ministry in your 30s like Jesus? Whew, good question. Hmm. I, I say 30s, the new 20 uh, today. Um, I. I I think whenever God calls you and whatever he equips you with, everybody's yeah. individual. Some people are ready at 22, 23 to get in the ministry. I, though, think that it is probably a little better for some to wait a little longer. The only problem is the need is so tremendous in our churches for young people to get into the ministry. Um, I, in Canada, I'm telling you right now, in the next five to 10 years, we're gonna need 150 guys to fill the pulpits of our country, and we have 20 guys in Bible school. And not all of those are geared to pastor. 
So I'm desperately looking for young men that would come to Canada and give their lives to pastoring there. And I would start working with you today on that. If you were in grade seven and said, I think God might be calling me, I would start working with you today to get you to where you could do that. And um, so I would say in a maturity level from years ago to today, I'd say I, I think there is a little longer in the maturing process. So yeah, it might be better for some, but as soon as you know God has called you, I would ask your pastor, I would ask your parents, I would ask your youth pastor, you tell me when you think I'm ready for ministry. And when they tell you it's time, you go. This is the awesome thing about what God does. You know, everybody here th thinks oftentimes, all right, God wants to like mold us and stamp us, we're all the same. We got all these rules, dress rules and haircut rules and everything else, so, so it's like, Okay, God's doing everybody the same. We have a God that works in, in such an individual way that I don't think you could say this is 30. It's when, when the Lord has, when you grow up, you know, some people are in the word a lot when they're in elementary school and junior high and in high school, so much so that, that they are ready to serve the Lord. Uh, I just... By personal example, I'm not saying that I was, but I graduated high school at 16. I graduated college at 20. I came back here as staff at 20, and I was working at Heritage two years older than the seniors that were, you know, in, in school. So um, it, it really comes down to Ezra prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord and to do it and to teach in Israel statutes and judgments. So when anyone is gonna serve the Lord, immerse yourself in the Bible, then obey everything that you know. And as you keep obeying, you're gonna find more things you ought to obey and more things you ought to do. That prepares us to teach others. The best teachers, the best ministers, the best preachers are not necessarily the ones who are at a certain age and, and these things. They're the ones who God's changed their life mm -hmm. and they're trying to be holy and they just create and, and minister to others. That's what you get. I, I don't want to embarrass anybody, but uh, you know, whenever I graduated from high school, I was in the college class here before I went off to college. Brother Roger Hoffman was the teacher then in that college class and he didn't use the right grammar and he'd say, hey, you guys, you know, but he knew the Bible and he lived it. And it made an impact on everybody that age. And so, you know, I couldn't really put an age, but, uh, you know, start now. If, if you feel the Lord is leading you, just immerse yourself in the Word of God and do everything God impresses on your heart to do. Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, and Joseph, all young men when God used them. All young men. And Joseph... And those other guys, not really a mark of sin in their lives. You don't read of that in the Bible. We know they sinned because they died, but those guys lived incredible lives and they started when they were young people and gave their lives at a very early age to live the Christian life in the circumstance they were in. So yeah, excellent. Great question. Thank you. Yeah. Last but not least, ladies and gentlemen, we've been waiting for this for the entire time. Here it is, the last yep. question. Let's give it up for our last question of the day. There's some enthusiasm right there. The big man wearing the ACS Patriots 
logo. He's Here trying we go. to wake everybody up. Oh, yeah. <laughs> to sleep. Well, several girls got very excited when he stepped up to the pulpit. So, just, just saying, just saying. The whole front row was like, yeah. Well, <laughs> they were passing out barf bags. Oh, That's boy. They thought it was lunchtime. <laughs> See how he is? He is uh, go ahead, sir. Hi, my name is Gabriel, and uh, I'm, an, I'm a senior this year. And uh, my question is, what is the best argument against mid-tribulation believers? Oh, boy. Or post-tribulation, either yeah, way. Either okay. Way. Well, obviously the Bible gives us example, and Noah and the ark are an example of what God does before he brings judgment. Almost always before judgment, he removes his people from that judgment time. And the book of Revelation makes very clear, when you start reading the book of Revelation, the church is mentioned until chapter 4, and then it is removed. You don't hear of it again. There's a trumpet. There's a trumpet that sounds. We're called up. And we are gone. Then the tribulation comes. So to me, it just makes sense. If God always removes his beloved before uh, Sodom and Gomorrah, he got Lot and his family to get out. Then he brought the fire and brimstone. And so he gives that opportunity. So there's a pattern in the Bible of those things. And then uh, in Revelation chapter 4, we clearly see that the church is gone. For people that may not know what he's talking about, uh, there are those that believe the, that... The rapture will happen before the tribulation. There are those that say it'll happen halfway through a mid-tribulation or a post-tribulation after the tribulation. Mm -hmm. One of the simplest things to look at is the Bible says that the rapture is the blessed hope. Mm -hmm. So if you have to go through the tribulation before at, at any section in order to get to the rapture, how can you really call that blessed whenever it's, uh, you know, God is stepping on the winepress of the wrath of God and pouring that out upon, upon the world? So, you know, that's a very simple answer, but, you know, it is our blessed hope. And so the blessing is we won't be here to go through it. We'll see it. But mm -hmm. our, our place of observation will be much different. The Bible says that Jesus comes as a thief in the night. If, if we know sure. we're in the tribulation, we, if we have an understanding that this has started, there's an antichrist, we know we got three and a half years. Yeah. So if I'm, if I'm the regular Joe Schmo, I'd say, well, I'm going to wait three and a half years, live my life the way I want to, and then just before Jesus comes, I'm going to pray. So <laughs> it, it gives that, that idea that we're not going to know when it happens, mm -hmm. and then we're going to know. Awesome. questions yes thank you thank you we appreciate the invitation yeah we appreciate half of you staying awake while we did it so uh, thank you we love 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 teenagers love young people you're right on the threshold of adulthood and uh, you're gonna be doing things like this very very soon so yeah I love the thousand dollar love offering we got to do this <laughs> <laughs> Oh, and if you believe that, stand on your head. Mine right. was 2000 oh, Sorry, boy. Well, you did more work. This is Tim Talks. We're glad you've been with us this week. We can't wait to be back next week. Please tune in because you just never know what's going to happen. Japan, get ready. Here we come. China, bring us back because this is the Tim Talks. You've been listening to Tim Talks, taking interest in ministry, with new podcasts added each Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. To learn more about your hosts, Dr. Al Stone and Pastor Dan Wolven, you can visit us at timtalks.com. That's T-I-I-M talks.com.